quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello. You're listening to the podcast. So there I was. Which is obviously how all great aviation stories begin. This is Fig. <laughs> and repeat here. This is episode 69. 69. Too busy for Officer Indoc. With Doc Doc. Right. Is that too many docs in a row? It too busy. Indeed. That's like too many Fs in the same <laughs> sentence. Uh, <laughs> well, it was a fun interview. He is, he's a, well, he was a Navy flight surgeon in a Marine Harrier squadron. And, uh, Actually, he didn't think he had anything to say, but boy, he had some good stories. We had an hour plus of fun and frolic with Doc Doc, and clearly a great guy. By the end of his time with the Black Sheep Squadron, they gave him a, a Marine piss cutter, which is the cover that we wear, the hat for those of you in the civilian world. Yeah. And uh, you don't just get a Marine hat and get to wear it. Uh, that's that's a big honor, and I could see why they gave it to him. Yeah, the Navy piss cutters are kind of a khaki, and the Marines uh, they they gave him a Marine one and said, "No, Doc, you wear this one. You're you you're, this you're, one. you're you're ours." That's pretty awesome. They, yeah, they obviously uh, really respected um, Doc. Doc. It was indeed. Hey, a couple quick admin announcements there, Fig. Our sponsor this week is Babbel. And for a limited time deal, our listeners get to start right now at 55% off their Babbel subscription to learn a foreign language at babbel.com slash. So there I was. We'll talk more about that during the show. And That's huge. 55% is huge. Right. And it's a great course. It, it, helps you understand whether you're pronouncing it right. It's done by native speakers and they help you from sounding like a doofus when you get over to a foreign country. So, I'm so. using it to uh, enhance my uh, Espanol. I am working on my French because I spent so much time in France. So <laughs> it's awesome. We want to thank Brad Silcott over at BDSAviationPhotography.com. Go take a look at some of his amazing aviation shots. Those are good. Two new pilots this week. Eric Fletcher and Jason Spears. Thanks, gentlemen. Indeed. Thank you. Your support helps keep these engines running. This is not a free proposition to put this podcast out. And your support means a lot to help us keep it up and going and, and getting it out to everybody. We got the merch store. We always talk about that. So there was us slash merch. Got a glossary. Write to us with questions, fig, sticks, repeat, all of that. Fig, you've got something I know you would like to talk about. You were on vacation up in Michigan and, and ran into a gent. And and tell me about it. You told me about this, but tell everybody else about this. So it's a uh, it's this is it's called Primal Outfitters. It's run by a former Marine. He is a, a combat Marine. He's a young, young man. and He's very, uh, very motivated. And Primal Outfitters is a nonprofit. It's in Southwest Michigan, uh, think um, South Haven area. Uh, they provide hunting, fishing, camping, and other outdoor adventures for veterans, active duty service members, first responders, gold and blue star families, and they do it all at no cost to the client. It's all that done by donations. Awesome. 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 He's got, he runs two 30-foot fishing boats out in Lake Michigan right now. And uh, when uh, fishing season's over, he does whitetail hunting, uh, camping, trapping, 
waterfowl. Uh, it's his full time job, and it it's an he's an amazing uh, marine. First of all, and I got so motivated. Uh, I will give out uh, the phone number, it, which is two six nine seven six seven four seven nine six, and uh, we'll put our email up. Uh, his email up, but it's uh, theprimaloutfitters at gmail.com. Nice. He's got a Facebook page too, The Primal Outfitters, Inc. Nice. Okay. Oh, boy, if you know a first responder or a Gold Star, Blue Star family or someone who could benefit from that. Oh, my goodness. That it's is huge. awesome. Huge. Yeah. Huge. No oh. cost. No cost. <sighs> And Thank he's, you so much for doing that. And that sounds like an amazing program. The night I met him, he had just finished a fishing charter. And mm-hmm. it was with a uh, former state patrol officer who lost both legs. And he was hit by a drunk driver while, while yeah. he was uh, uh, helping somebody on the side of the road. Anyway, he said, I didn't think I, I, I could ever go fishing again. And anyway, he figured out a way to get this dude on his boat. He showed me. Uh, how they did it. And he went out, caught salmon and big trout that day. And, uh, this dude had a grin on his face from ear to ear. Um, but you know, th- uh, this, this guy thinks outside the box. So don't, don't let any physical handicap slow you down. If you think you might be interested in doing something with primal outfitters. Reach out to him. It sounds like he's going to make it happen for you. Absolutely. Wow. Very cool. Well, this was a special week. We got to, oh, you know what? Before we do that, let's go back to talk about where you were yesterday and with whom. So I'm at the air show in Kansas City, Blue Angel Air Show, and I'm walking down the ramp looking at the static displays and what is standing right in front of me, but YL-37. It's a UH. Does that sound familiar? I know, right? (laughs) It's it's a UH-34. That was flown by all the guys that flew in combat with the uh, with the Ugly Angels. It's uh, it's a flying memorial, basically, and I s- stood in it. I, I uh, it, it's 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 something. I I I feel like I was just standing in front of uh, something so special. I I couldn't even you know put words to it. They're having a final. Ugly Angels reunion on the 6th of October in Inola, Oklahoma, which is where the helicopter's based. It's the YL-37 Group Foundation. And uh, I just stumbled upon it. had no idea it was going to be there. Duber Duber had that airplane uh, or that helicopter up at his place as I was coming back from Michigan. So I missed it. They had a little fly-in. But it's the same same helicopter. And the same guys, uh, you know, flew it there. So... Uh, I sent the pictures to Duber, and uh, he's like, "We got to go." Uh, I I don't think I can make it uh, logistics wise. Uh, uh, I think I'm going to be out of the country at them. But um, what a what a chance meeting that was, and yeah. how awesome! So what what's the date and place again? Six October, and it's in Inola, I N O L A, Inola, Oklahoma. It's just outside Tulsa. Okay. Well, I I don't know my schedule there yet, but uh, that would be sure fun, even though I'm not an ugly angel, to get in there and talk to some of those gents, get their stories. Holy cow. Holy cows, right? I know. (sighs) And all those guys had time in this airplane. Uh, I think it said this is the only, let's see, um, 
54 patches over bullet holes sustained in Vietnam. It operated out of all the major uh, air bases in I Corps and off all the ho- and so- hospital ships and aircraft carriers. Uh, rare aircraft served with Squadron HMM 362, who are known as the Ugly Angels, on her side. Uh, there's a plaque, and, and on the plaque, it's mounted on the side of the airplane, and on the mm-hmm. plaque is the names of the 33 Marines of the A- Ugly Angels that uh, lost their life in Vietnam. <clears throat> wow. What an amazing I know. memorial. So cool. Well, we'll, we'll have more to talk about that. I think next week uh, we got an amazing letter. I don't have permission to share it with, uh, with anybody yet. But I uh, I hope that we can once I get uh, once I get permission to sanitize and share it. We uh, we got an amazing letter from uh, one of our listeners this week. That was fun. And then the other thing I'm thinking of doing is uh, we talked a couple weeks ago about Jungle Jim Ross uh, with intake, right. and I have a recording from him from about 14 years ago. And I'm thinking I'm going to put that up for our Patreon listeners so that they can hear. Oh, that the interview with Jungle Dandy, yeah. 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 So there I was dot us slash Patreon, trying to give them a little bit of extra here and there. They're throwing their hard earned cash in our direction to help this keep this show coming to everybody. So we appreciate that, gents and and ladies. And we will we are more than happy to uh to share that with you. So Fig, we talked to a flight surgeon today. Um those guys are amazing. They they were with us. They were we were flying single seat jets, so obviously they weren't flying with us very much. I flew a few of them when I was an instructor in the T Birds. That was always fun. I was not aware of how much of the stuff that they went through to do what I, they honest, did to be flight surgeons. Honestly, I, I I wasn't either until Doc Doc told us about it. Yeah, I have a whole new respect. Right, Those I guys, always respected uh, the flight surgeons anyway. Um, you know, especially the ones uh, like Doc Doc that wanted to keep you flying, wanted to, you know, want, wanted the, the guys to be uh, successful. Right. right. I mean, I joke about it at the beginning of the show. I talk about, you know, the best you can do when you talk to a doc is break even, right? You go for your flight physical. If everything's great, you get to keep flying. Otherwise, you know, you may lose your ticket, your ability to fly. And it's kind of a joke, but it's kind of the way some guys looked at it and they always went out right. of their way to keep us flying. And so that was appreciated. Why don't we get out of the way and let, let's uh, let doc doc tell us stories until next week. Sit this back, relax, enjoy the flight and don't sit on chicks and seat handle, baby. Don't do, don't do it. In the world's smallest cockpit on the tanker through the weather. Oh, and to the uh, tanker crew who uh, did that. Thanks a lot. We really appreciated that. I'm just kidding. Uh-huh. No, I'm not. Well, there I was, crossing the pond, and you could see that I wasn't exactly fun. So there I was at the medical clinic at Marine Corps Air Station, Yuma, Arizona, giving my XO a two-fingered prostate exam. <laughs> <laughs> Two fingers. <laughs> wow, he was singing Moon River. Oh. <laughs>
Oh, I clinched. I clinched when you said that. I bet he doesn't send him flowers or call or anything anymore. And that's how all great aviation tales begin. (laughs) Evening, everybody. Repeat here. Coming to you from New Hampshire for another week or so anyway. I'm here with my co-hosts. Big, who had a special day out yesterday with our guests, I understand. Well, yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, we we uh, live fairly close to each other as far as that goes, and we were at the air show here in Kansas City, Blue Angel Air Show, together. Spent most yeah. of the day sweating Thanks. profusely, uh, but yes, and so well, welcome, Doc Doc. It's thank you, good thank to you. have you. We've been threatening to have him on for months, and he's he's been kind of wishy washy with me, and he 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 didn't back down today. Well, yeah, I'll tell you, I don't have uh, all these stories that some of your hero heroes have been uh, telling you. So, um, yeah. However, you do have stories, and everybody uh, has good stories. There you go. Signed up, jumped in. The good news is tonight. We're going to do a little more than break even, which is how we generally feel about going to see the uh, flight quack, right, Fig? The best you <laughs> yes, can do is break even. <laughs> that's right. This is, you know, this is unique uh, in more than one way. You know, we've never had a flight surgeon on. We've had, with the exception of the... Got a couple of Rios, a drill gunny, instructor. The Gunny drill instructor. Yeah. Uh, it, it's all been aviators. So uh, this is just, uh, you're, you're, this is unique. And what, what's really awesome about this is you were a flight surgeon in a Marine Harrier squadron. As, that's right. That's as, right. Uh, the that's black sheep. And not just any squadron, a historical one, right? Yeah. Not, yeah. not as historical as the uh, Great American Bulldogs of VMA 223, but pretty close. <laughs> right. I guess that's right. Well, how'd you get there? Yeah, so has a good-looking medical student guy decide he's going to go in the Navy and be a flight surgeon? How, how does that look? Well, I'll tell you, um, I had no interest in aviation at all, to tell you the truth. I was, you know, dead set on becoming a doctor, you know, from maybe the age of 10 or something. Okay. Wow. And, okay. Uh, that's that's so impressive. Went to, you know, got into med school, Creighton University, and... Um, about my sec after my second year, I started running out of money. <laughs> weird. So, That's weird, right? Yeah, I started running out of money, so <laughs> I had to figure out what to do. So instead of getting loans, I I got the Navy uh, the Health Profession Scholarship, and so what they do there is they will go ahead and uh, they'll pay for your medical school, my last two years, and they'll pay for like books and they'll give you a little stipend, and then if you if you do those years, then you owe them some money, you know, some time back, not money, but time back. Yeah. So I got that scholarship, um, did my two years of med school. And then that's when I uh, jumped into the into active duty after med school. So so uh, you 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 had a choice, though, uh, I'm assuming in into what part of the Navy and what kind of medical field you were going to go into. How, how, how does that work? Well, um, really, you know, in med school, everyone, all the med students have a match. You know, they apply to different residencies and such. In the military, there's maybe five or six of us guys um, that um, had this health profession scholarship. We just we put our wish list in of which hospital we wanted to go to. You know, there's Balboa in San Diego, there's Portsmouth Naval Hospital um, and uh 
there's a, there's one or two. There's one in in, in Texas or something. I don't, it's it's close to Fort Sam. I'm not sure. Okay. But there's some residencies. So um, you just wait. And at that time, I was very you know big into er- internal medicine. So I wanted to you know do all the numbers and and help people out that way. So they said, okay, um, you got. Uh, oh yeah, Bethesda too. Bethesda. Right. So. Uh, I got Portsmouth Naval Hospital. And they said, okay, that's what you have. So they gave me orders to Portsmouth Naval Hospital. And, um, you know, the funny thing is, is during uh, my years as a med student, after I got my scholarship, there had to be a time where I had to take six weeks off sometime. And I had to go to officer indoctrination school. Six, it was six weeks. Oh. Okay. Six weeks where they teach you how to be a, how to be an officer. Um, you know, they teach you about military history, how to march, saluting, you know, everything. They teach you everything. <laughs> right. Well, uh, I didn't have the time to do that. <laughs> so uh, I think, you know, here between your. Hold, hold on. Hold on. Here it comes. <laughs> this is a, I got a little okay. sneak peek of this. Yeah, this is great. Okay. I got to hear uh-huh. this. So. Oh, yeah, you do. Uh, well, yeah. You know what? F- hold on. I just got to say, Fig, we, we were idiots. We didn't uh, we were to the Marine Corps. Well, we didn't well, have we time were idiots. to go to OCS. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, so here's the thing, though. We are idiots. That's yeah. why we could never be a doctor and not do, you know, get military indoctrination in six weeks. But it gets better. Oh, yeah. Doesn't it, well, Doc, Doc? You know, my friends went, but I don't see how they went. I mean, I just didn't have the time between the, you know, uh, June and July, you, you ended one year and you went right to the other, the next year, you know, and you had to do a rotation in some sort of medical specialty. Okay. So by the time I was done with med school, well, let's, let's back up. My fourth year of med school, um, is, was the time that you could take 30 day rotations at different hospitals doing different, um, you know, uh, specialties. So, my good buddy and I were going to go down to Balboa in San Diego, and I was going to do a uh, nephrology uh, ro- rotation. It's 30 uh, days. Wait, wait, so wait, 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 wait. What is that? What that's is like nephrology? good that's, people and shit, isn't it? No, that's kidneys. Oh, oh, oh nephrology, nephrology is kidneys. kidneys. Yeah. Okay. Ne- necrology. I'm thinking. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah, we are we are so far out of our uh, comfort <laughs> zone right now. Doc. Be gentle, Doc. Doc. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One finger, please. Don't clench. Repeat. <laughs> right. Stay relaxed. Um, you know, so that's that's a good thing about med school. The first two years are books, and you have to pass all the tests. The second two years are easier. It's a, it's a slide down. You just do all these rotations in different specialties and it's not as much studying and you learn, you know, hands-on type things. So, um, so I went to San Diego and, uh, there was one guy who was an intern there who taught us all what we needed to know on how to be an officer in one evening. (laughs) Wait, wait, hold I, I, did you catch that? Oh, repeat? Hold on, I, uh, I think that my your, uh, headphones are screwed up because was, he said was, one evening. Was, did that? Right. Did that uh, suffice for your not going to the six weeks of charm school? Um, well, I never, I never was made to march, so that was good. Uh, oh, you know, so that evening, the evening before my first day, 
He taught me how to wear my uniform. So I had no clue where to put anything. Right. And he taught us, you know, who we should salute and who we shouldn't salute. <laughs> and uh, so that, that, that didn't go so well because when I got there the first day, Started saluting uh, chiefs I, and stuff. I, what was that? <laughs> they, you started saluting a bunch of chiefs and stuff because they got shiny crap on their collar? Or <laughs> well, well, that was close, yes. No, it was basically when you're walking down the street or the sidewalk and you see someone coming at you and you're not sure what to do. They have their white, you know, board hat on. You cross the street so you don't have to worry about saluting. <laughs> So I did a lot of crossing the street. The I was say you're lucky you weren't hit by a car crossing the street oh. so much, right? Sheesh. Yeah, that's right. So you crossed the street a lot. And, oh. you know, got close. I think I think I saluted a, you know, I was an ensign at that time. When I was a student, I was an ensign. So I think uh, I saluted some sort of a chief or something a few times or whatever. But the, I think the big thing was you have to cross the street so you don't. Go, you don't know, pass them, you know, uh, go from there. So I think it went well as time went by, I started learning, <laughs> you know, more and more. And so yeah. that was my officer indoctrination school. Uh, just, just kind of get out there and do it. And then people would comment on your uniform and, <laughs> and how to tuck it in and what to do. So I learned do you have way. any idea how lucky you are? This, whoever taught you didn't decide to royally screw with you. That's true. <laughs> teach you, you know, that a that a first class petty officer wasn't an admiral, and <laughs> that is true. Now that and one star is a, is a seaman recruit, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I knew I knew oh. that the uh, flight surgeons didn't get a lot of um, training, yeah. but I had no clue it was that minimal. How about that? Well, I'll tell you, I think I was the outlier, though, because most of my friends went to officer indoctrination, excuse me, indoctrination school. So and they where, learned how to do all that. Where was yeah. that? Where, if you would have gone, where where would you have gone? You I don't gone? know. I want to say Rhode Island. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. You know, so since <laughs> I didn't go, I kind of put that out of my mind. Boo! Dodge that bullet. Well, that was pretty awesome. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, I did my rotation. And, uh, you know, I passed and everything was good. But that was kind of stressful, not knowing how to be an officer, you know, when well, people yeah. salute me, you know. But I'm that stressed was good. out. I'm stressed out. So uh, after my fourth year, I got selected to go to Portsmouth Naval Hospital. So, you know. And that's in Portsmouth, Virginia, right? Yep. Okay. So that supported all the troops at Norfolk and uh um, all that area okay. know, over there. Yeah. And I said that right. Norfolk. So Norfolk. Yeah. Yeah. Norfolk. yeah. If you're in Nebraska, it's Norfolk. Yeah. If it's <laughs> Virginia, it's Norfolk. So yeah. I learned that. So anyway, um, was an internal medicine intern there. So same thing. You do different rotations. You're, you know, I'm on call every third night. Um, and didn't have to wear the uniform very much because we just wore scrubs all the time. And it, my wife didn't see me very much. And when she did, I'd eat dinner at home and, and sleep on the couch, you know, fall yeah. asleep on the so couch. So is this like an equivalent, uh, the equivalent of, a, of an internship and then a residency? Is that what they were doing That's for right. post-med school? That's right. Okay. But I knew most of us knew that we weren't going to get into a residency 
there's only a few people that were going to stay in uh, in the hospital and, and go right to their internal medicine residency or their surgery residency. Because I still, I owed three years total. Okay. They gave me two, I owed three. And so, um, so most of us, we were, you know, some of us were hoping to stay in our residency, but uh, they said, well, nope, you owe two more years. What do you want to do? Do you want to go to a clinic somewhere and be a general medical officer and just do physicals and see colds? Or do you want to do undersea medicine or flight surgery? So after talking to mom and dad and they said, oh, you know, no one, hardly anyone gets to be a flight surgeon, you know, is it what an experience you would have and, you know, do something other than just being in a medical clinic. Right. What said, great okay. people you would be around all the time. I know. <laughs> Those amazing fly boys. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I, I really didn't have a, any, any interest or anything in aviation at that time. I mean, it's like, okay, I'll, I'll do flight surgery, whatever this is. I hate to say that, but yeah, no, um, yeah. Somebody's uh, you know, cause it was always, you know, go to medicine. You know, I, I wanted, this was my goal, medicine and such. So, um, so did anybody, and, any, anybody uh, from the medical field give you any inkling that when you became a flight surgeon, it was going to be a lot like being a veterinarian, meaning <laughs> your patients won't talk to you about what is wrong with them. <laughs> I learned that uh, when I was at NAMI. I learned that when I went to in, in flight surgery school. That's right. Yeah. All right. Uh, I want to hear about that. Yeah. So hang on. We got to talk about NAMI. NAMI is the Naval Aeromedical Institute, Institute in Pensacola, Florida. Yeah. And when a flight student goes there and gets selected for a physical from those folks, it is lovingly referred to as the what, Fig? Nammy Whammy. Yeah, baby. The Nammy Whammy. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it was so stressful. When you went there, you know, you're, the, the, you know it was out of your control. If they yeah. find something that makes you... Um, not airworthy, so to speak, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. You're done. They like to look for That's it, true. it seemed, too. That yeah. was the worst oh, of it. Oh, dig under every cook, nook and cranny. Yeah. I tell you, yeah, yeah I, had a, I had something wrong with my labs. They made me drink like a whole gallon of water uh, before I could <laughs> retest. And I was sick, but I passed. So, All right, so I have <clears throat> to tell a story because it just triggered. Now, uh, J.J., was in uh, the Doc Doc Squadron, yeah, and and uh, JJ and I were really good friends from the basic school and all the way through flight school. But when we went to Pensacola, we went and did our NAMI physical together, together. Okay, now yeah. uh, I'm telling you this because uh, it, I played a horrible joke on on him, uh, and, <laughs> and I feel I felt horrible about it for like a half a second. So he, he was really, really worried about his hearing, about passing the hearing test. Not oh. his eyes, nothing else. He was worried about hearing because he spent a lot of time around machinery on the farm and he never wore hearing protection and he really did have bad hearing. So they put us in the little hearing booth together, both of us at the same time. We were taking uh, the test at the same time. What could and go I, wrong? And <laughs> I knew this was going to be my only chance to get to do this to him. So... 
you know, the test is you're holding that little plunger and you, you're supposed to push it every time you hear the, the, or, yeah, so, right? And yeah. so I'm hearing mine and then I'm whistling and I'm seeing him, you know, hit, hitting it and I'm whistling and he's hitting it. And finally, uh, the test's dick. over. I know. The test's over. The guy opens the door and he says, you, you're good. You're good. You, you flunked. You're going to do it again. And I looked at, I looked at JJ and went, dude, that sucks. <laughs> and of course, he passes the next time because no one's in there whistling. <laughs> whistling. And he comes out, you know, and he's, oh, and I go, dude, you know what I was doing when we were in there, right? And he goes, what? what? I, I told him, you know, and, and then I had to run because he was pissed. <laughs> Good news is I was a lot faster than he was. <laughs> oh, he got over. He got over. That's funny. That's, yeah, that's great. Uh, anyway. I remember those. Yeah. Oh. oh, it's scary. Okay, so so you go to NAMI, and and that is your what 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 happens there for you? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, what they do is uh, a few things. Uh, they try to teach you some aerospace medicine. You know what the pilots experience. And what they could experience, what kind of pathology they could, you know. So they make uh, you go through all the dunkers and the spinning puke and the hypoxia chamber and all that stuff exactly. too? Exactly. So okay. Oh, good. They have us do the same thing that the pilots go through or their pilot okay. students or whatever go through. Yeah. yeah. The Dilbert dunker, uh, the helo dunker and, and uh, you know, uh, land survival. What? Uh, really? Oh, yeah. See, and water survival, the whole parachute thing, oh, you nice. know, treading water. You got to you know, swim a mile yeah. uh, in your flight suit, the whole yeah. thing, you know. I think uh, I just thawed out from water survival about two weeks ago. You know, your stock <laughs> just went up a little bit. I had no idea yeah. you actually got to do all that or had to do Oh, all yeah. That. Yeah, we spent a lot of time in the pool and out uh, Pensacola Bay or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the You know, the SAR had to pick us up once. We had to do that routine. and Yep. Hey, um, hey when, was, when did you do that? When, uh, what time frame was that? What it was uh, – July 1990 to January 91. That was the same okay. time uh, Desert Shield and Desert Storm was going on. Okay. You know, August. Oh, right. That, yeah, right. Yeah. So. So July oh, to, to when? What, uh, what January. 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 Gosh, so, so that, was, uh, that, was, uh, that, was like, that was a significant amount of time down there. Yeah, six months. Uh, so you learn aerospace medicine. You know, you try to go over some a lot of topics that anything, you know, psychology, uh, you know, our job was to learn how to take care of the pilots and of course the whole squadron, but the pilots, as you guys know, are the, the major asset of any squadron, but we wanted, they wanted us to learn what the pilots were going through as, as far as training also. So, um, we had to learn how to fly also. So we, you know, did the T-34 Charlie, we did the land sea survival, um, you know, all that, all that too. So did this um, take you guys through solo? Did you get to solo on the T-34? I, uh, missed it by one day. So I uh, didn't get to solo, but I got 13 fams. I guess just the 14th fam is a sounds right. Yeah. Solo, something yeah. like that. Wow. So it, it rained so much uh, in January that year that we had a, we had a hard time getting up and stuff, but um, that was kind of fun. We learned all the 
high altitude power loss, low altitude power loss, all that stuff too. So, um, so then at that time, all the pilots obviously go to fixed wing or helo Mm -hmm. and we go to the fleet. So we're done after we learn how to fly and we got all that stuff done. We go to the fleet and all I remember is there was, I don't think, I don't think we got to pick where we went. You know, some, I might have had a wish list or something. I don't remember what I wished for. I know a lot of people were, you know, saying F 18 D F 18 D, you know, that's when the D's were coming out. Because there's two seats and you get, you know, flight surgeons get right in the, in the back seat. Uh, True. True. But I remember one of the, one of the guys in my class since desert shield and desert storm was, brewing he did he said that he wanted diego garcia okay he he wanted to go there because he knew that was safe from the war okay so i don't know know if he got it but he just kept hoping you know and all of us all the rest of us like yeah just give us anything we're good i know he he wanted to go to diego garcia and that's a it's a little outpost in the indian ocean something like that yeah yeah i've been there and, so, and I, I hope he got to go because, uh, you know. I hope he had fun. I hope he had fun. Yeah. Had fun. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I so know then, where. Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know how he got chosen, but they said, okay, you got VMA 214. Uh, and so I went, came home to my wife and I said, I've got some good news and bad news. <laughs> uh, uh. I know what the bad news is. What What did you tell her the good news? No, I said, I, I got Harriers, you know, I got Harriers, VMA 214, you know, yeah, the black I, I'm psyched, you know, black uh, sheet squadron. Is it's in Yuma, Arizona. <laughs> and then she cried. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Heat, hot, you know, yeah. so we didn't know much about that. But. Of course, this was January. So, you know, it was probably. It's pleasant for three days there in January. I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. But. Oh. Yeah. So I That's think, cool. you know, uh, going back, I think the first time I ever really, uh, was got really a kind of a, a desire for, uh, naval aviation was, um, maybe the first week that we went, got to Pensacola bef- to go to NAMI for, for school, uh, the air show, the blue angels were there. So it was like, okay, okay let's go see the air show. So I took my, you know, of course my wife, and my, I think he was four months at that time oh in a little stroller. And the oh first thing I remember was the one solo pilot coming straight over us and louder than ever. Oh, yeah. You know, we had yeah. no hearing protection or anything, yeah. but. We sent him uh, right through the roof of his. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. Gosh. And so that's what hooked me right there. So when I'm, when I'm listening to your podcast, Lawman, Intake, you know, the yeah. Blue Angel stories and stuff. Yeah. That's a little bit near to my heart um, because that was the first, yeah, I, I guess, my first foray into into aviation, that, the Blue Angel show, you know. That's the but, best one you'll ever see right there on the beach. That's right. That's right. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So okay. I think um, one of your uh, other guests didn't know when uh, the Harriers got night vision goggles. When I got to uh, the Black Sheep in February of, what was it, 91? They already had night vision goggles and such then. So I'm not sure when they, when they, you know, I think yeah. it was new, but. The West um, Coast stood up the NVGs first. The night attack jets first went out to Yuma. 
I remember that. Because Fig and I only flew the day attack at 223. Yep. Gotcha. So, yeah, we flew it at night, but, you know, we just couldn't see shit. <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were doing really smart stuff, like bombing underneath flares. Yeah. One guy drops flares, <laughs> and then we go bomb. Ah, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. What and could go wrong? Join back up in the dark <laughs> after your rods and cones are washed out, you know? Yeah. What could go wrong? We don't need no stinking night vision. Yeah. That's right. Uh, so oh, I had to learn about man. that, too. But the, the bad thing was I didn't get any night vision goggle use in the Harrier because they only have one seat, as you know. You know, so. And then when uh, VMAT 203 came out, of course, we didn't do any night vision stuff. And that's where I got my my flight time in the Harrier was that okay, uh, when the East Coast came out, when the trainers came out every once in a while, I could I could fly with them, you know, so. So uh, you had a little bit of flight experience and then you get in the Harrier and it comes to a complete stop airborne. Tell me what that was like, because I can remember what it was like for me. Well, you know, most of the flight surgeons are like, oh, I want to get a cat shot or I want to get a, you know, uh, you know, some, you know, but with the Harrier, that's what you want to do. You want to be able to hover, you know, that's the, so that was, it was fun. It was, it was awesome. I mean, the, the pilot, I forget who the, who was, who was with me that day. I think it might've been Cutter or something, but um, he's like, okay, doc, you know, here, we're going to hover. This is what you do. So he should kind of, told me what to do. I was in the backseat, of course. And uh, so I got to hover for about 15 or 20 seconds and, <laughs> and gave Very it back cool. to him. That was, I could check that off my nice. bucket list. Nice. You know, so. and, and I'll tell you this much, if you never got a cat shot, when he put the power in the corner for takeoff in a Harrier, that was as close to a cat shot as I'd ever been in my life before or since. I mean, yeah. it was, it was a little less violent, but not much. Is that and, right? Yeah, yeah. That, there is that much power. When it puts you back in your seat, a good three Gs. It was impressive. Well, I'll tell you. I, I, I enjoyed um, the Harrier. I think some of the runs we went on, I think we did a few bombing runs where, you know, you kind of go inverted and you, you acquire the target. Then you kind of nose Pull. down. Yeah. And then you flip over and, and drop your bomb. That was, that was awesome. I really enjoyed that. That was good. They, I don't think I did any uh, air-to-air in the Harrier, you know, that was, that was with the aggressor squadron and some of the others, but, okay. but that was, that was fun. I really enjoyed the Harrier. So, yeah. so while, so while we're talking about it, what, what uh, other, so the aggressor squadron out there in Yuma, they had F5s at the time. Is that right? Yes. And they had so one two seater. Okay. So you were flying in the back seat of the, uh, the aggressor. Uh, so you got to do a little air to air, got to see some air to air action. Uh, yeah. And I got to tell you, um, I think I, I don't know if this is just flight surgeons or just anyone, but there's a certain routine that you have to go through to in, in order to set yourself up so you don't, uh, you know, lose your cookies every time, you know. Okay. So, uh, gotcha. you know, when you when you get in, you just um, have to make sure you that your your sleeves are you know they have Velcro on your sleeves, right? Undo those. Okay. Bring, bring your zipper down a little bit. And then I think there were air vents just outside. So you could grab a hold okay. in front of you and a little further out. And there are air vents. So you had to make sure the air vents were 
pointing right up your sleeve. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you can get as maximum air as much as you can. Sure. Yeah. And of course you practice beforehand taking your O2 mask off as fast as you can (laughs) 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 and you practice it and keep practicing it. Because you don't want to throw up in your O2 mask. No, no, no you don't. No, you don't want to do that. And then you, you got to make sure your sickness bag is in that lower pocket on your ankle. You know, all flight suits have that that lower pocket, so it's it's ready and available at any time. So, but I remember, you know, I I, I only probably lost it once or twice. I, I you know, but there's a lot of times I came home, you know, a little queasy. You know, after, you know, telling my wife that I'd flown or whatever, she she always told me, never tell me when you're going to fly. Just yeah. tell me when you come back. <laughs> there you All go. Right. That's fair enough. So she didn't have to worry. <laughs> there but, you go. I actually did that to my wife when our daughter, daughter slow loading gliders. I took her up to the airport that morning and I knew she was going to solo, but we didn't tell my wife until after it was done and I center center video but didn't you know she's gonna solo i go that was a that was on purpose <laughs> that's probably not bad not but, a bad idea that's good yeah effort. no not at all I, but oh man you know i don't I know think, about you fig i've i've always been very fortunate knock wood the only time i've ever been a little bit motion sick or queasy in my life is in a flight simulator when the motion doesn't match the visuals, when they're doing a reset or something like that, I, all the air to air that we did, and I used to ride in the back seat of the A fours before I got there, and you know before I got to that part of the syllabus, never bothered me once. And I remember keying the mic the first time I was with the Squadron XO. We were in a vertical scissors, and I'm looking up at the ground and the airplane below us. And I keyed the mic, and he goes, he told me later he was going, uh oh, this he's going to tell me he's sick, knock it off. I was like, this is awesome. He goes, all right, good. You know, keep going. So I've I was one of those people who is blessed with never having a you know vestibular issues with I, I motion say, sickness. And, I can say the same thing. Yeah, it's a true blessing. Yeah, Cause yeah. Because I, I watch uh, guys suffer through that. Oh, oh my god, god it I know. We, we have peers. We both have peers. Yeah. That, uh, you know, they, they throwing up was just part of it. I'm going to throw up on this sortie. That's okay. Yeah. Throw up, put it in my pocket, and we're going to press on. <laughs> yeah. And then well, intake talking about the, the San Diego kicker <laughs> puking on his displays. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. man. But I tell you, good. Um, yeah, the F5 is where I got most of my uh, flight time. Uh, for a flight surgeon, you have to have four hours a month. Okay. Oh, that was going to be four. another question. So to yeah. keep your... Uh, flight surgeon flight status. Yeah, yeah. I guess to yeah. keep yeah. your to keep from getting harassed by NAMI people. Or yeah, I don't, I don't know what happens when you don't get four hours. I think there was one or two months I didn't uh, for various reasons, but nothing happens. But they tell you you got to have four hours a month. So most of the time, uh, if there was squadrons coming into Yuma, I would go to their you know their okay. squadron house and. Hey, can I get a ride? And so I got I got some rides in a few things, obviously, and uh, uh, overseas I got some rides in some other things. Yeah. But the F five is probably the most uh, most flight time, and I, I just remember I can only remember one flight, and I never was in the briefing beforehand. It was always okay, Doc, suit up and let's go. Yeah, and so <laughs> show up at show up at step time. Yeah, yeah right. it was a two v two. 
you know, two of the aggressors versus two Harriers. And he says, okay, we are going to go out together, but then one of the, uh, one of us F5s is going to split off and then we'll join up a little bit to the, to the right. And then we'll, we'll attack them from, you know, blah, 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 either side. I don't know what. Yeah. So Pinch. I just remember I was in the backseat and he goes, okay, doc, I'm going to give you the controls. He's okay. I got him. He says, okay, I want you to, I want you to turn right, right now. And I, I'm turning like Delta Airlines. <laughs> <laughs> I'm turning really slowly. Don't spill your martini. And then he, he grabbed him back and just like yanked. <laughs> right. Bam. Right. Bounce your head really, off that the was canopy. A mistake, so. <laughs> Little I don't think he let me have the controls again. Um, but the thing with that, you know, is I think I got one F-18 ride. It was the same is you don't know what's going on, you know. And so you just get thrown around and you pull yeah, some that's... G's and then you're left, then you're right, then you're up, you know. Yeah. And so that's that's the problem. You don't Did you ever get you your uh, helmet bank bounced off the canopy because you didn't know it was coming? Um, I don't remember. Uh, I don't think well, so. It must we, have been hard. <laughs> yeah. I was holding on tight. <laughs> yeah. So I, I can tell you this, uh, especially in the A4, it would roll. It would You could roll that airplane so fast you couldn't stop from banging your helmet on the canopy. Yeah. Yeah. 720 yeah, right. degrees per second. Yeah. Two full rolls per second. At, yeah. That was an awesome airplane. You have the stick in your hand. You know it's coming. You go full throw, and your head hits the canopy. How long <laughs> were you guys in the A4s? Uh, well, uh, so we, we flew it as students, and then um, I, I went back to be an instructor in it. And then there was an OA4 Mike Squadron that uh, at Cherry Point that I actually got stashed in for a little while. So I got a bunch of time in it there, too. Yeah, so I just did my student time in it, and, and a little bit in the OA4 at Cherry Point, but I'm maybe a month of riding around in it there. But, uh, yeah, probably, was, and what, what was the A4? This was probably, it was close to a year, wasn't it? It was about nine months to get through A4s. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's about right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you're, you're going to get 125 or 30 hours in it, probably. Yeah. Fun to fly? <sighs> yeah. Yes, yeah. very, very fun. That's what I heard. I missed having a thousand hours in it by this much. Uh, that's too bad. I know. Mon podcast, vous plaît? Which is French for, do you like my podcast? Now, let's say you want to chat up a pilot or simply order a croissant while soaring over Paris. How do you do that without making a crash landing into the language barrier? Well, the best way to learn a new language is through immersion. But unless you're planning on parachuting into a foreign country anytime soon, I'd recommend the second best way. Babbel. Because with Babbel, you can start speaking a new language in just three weeks. And trust me, it's turbulence-free. This summer, I've been using Babbel to brush up on my French, you know, for when I'm strolling through the streets of Paris. Why Babbel? Well, it's simple. It works. Instead of getting lost in the clouds with apps that play games with you, Babbel's 10-minute lessons, crafted by over 150 language experts, ensure that you're ready for real conversations. And if you're worried about nailing that French R or perfecting the accent, don't be. Babbel's advanced speech recognition is like having your own personal language coach in your pocket. It helps you perfect your pronunciation and ensures you sound authentically French. No more being the tourist who sounds like they're ordering a croissant instead of a croissant. 
Studies even prove that 15 hours with Babbel is equivalent to a full semester at college, and that's a lot fewer hours than it takes to fly to New York from Tokyo. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to navigate to babbel.com slash so there I was. You won't need a pilot's license, just a sense of adventure. And here's a special limited time deal for our listeners to get you started right now. Get 55% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash so there I was. That's babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L, babbel.com slash so there I was. Rules and restrictions may apply. Safe travels and happy landings in your new language journey. So you mentioned going overseas, though. So you find, actually, let me back up for just a second. I learned something here. They sent you to 214. I didn't realize that the Navy controlled that. I thought they gave you all to the Marine Corps wing or group, and then they spit you into whatever squadron or whatever yeah, space I didn't, I didn't they needed. So, that yeah, that's kind of neat that the Navy says, yeah. uh, who needs it? Yeah, I don't know how it happened. I just had orders. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. But then, so you went overseas on a on – a, uh, Air Force calls it UDP. We just call it a Westpac uh, deployment for six months to Iwakuni. Was that where you? Yeah, yeah I went to Iwakuni. Uh, we spent about three months there. Uh, we spent about uh, the other four months in Kadena. I think they, uh, you guys would know that. You, um, yeah. They probably handled the Harrier a little bit better than Iwakuni. I'm not sure. But we spent, I spent four months in Kadena, which was the Air Force base there in Okinawa. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, that was fun. Um, you know, just in Iwakuni, uh, the medical department consisted of me and two corpsmen and the two, the two corpsmen that I had were great. Um, okay. and we had, we had like one huge hanger to ourselves. <laughs> nice. Okay. It was, it was empty and I didn't spend much time there. Just, uh, spent time, you know, walking around and and uh, most of the time with the in the ready room and with the mm-hmm. pilots and stuff. So, uh, explain what a corpsman is to our listeners. Uh, corpsman is a, a navy uh, kind of like a medic. They learn okay. a, yeah. they learn you know some uh, like in EMT they they learn okay. uh, you know EMT type stuff. So, uh, so I always had two of those. Mm, they could start IVs or. Uh, okay. take care of first aid, anything like that. So they could do sutures, things like that if needed. Yeah, probably. Okay. So, um, but, uh, they, they weren't utilized very much cause we had a pretty healthy crew, you know? Um, I think the enlisted, uh, folks in, in, the in the black sheep, they kind of went to them more than they went to me. Okay. You know, I think they could kind of gel, with their enlisted buddies and stuff like that. So they walked around and even though I walked around in all the spaces and made sure everything was fine. Um, you know, I spent a lot of the time with the pilots making sure they were good. That's my job to make sure that everyone's fine on the home front. They're psychologically healthy, physically healthy, you know, things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Of course, of course there's, there's, uh, I mentioned this earlier, most of the aviators weren't going to voluntarily tell you they had something that was going to be a disqualifying no. problem. <laughs> That's true. I, I think we, we learned at NAMI that uh, 
They're your best, you know, the flight surgeon is the best friend and the worst enemy. So, right. yeah. uh, so it's uh, one of these things that uh, we knew that we probably weren't told, you know, I wasn't told everything. Yeah. And uh, there's, there's a few times where I grounded uh, one or two pilots and they were pissed off for sure. They right. had to, they went to the CO and, and complained and, and uh, luckily the CO backed me up, but yeah. you know, you feel really bad when that happens, but you have to, but yeah. So we knew, we knew that, uh, you know, we're, we're enemy and the best friend, of course, but right. I got to tell you, um, uh, the, all the, all the pilots of the black, you know, the black sheep, most all of them, they took me in, they, they took care of me and a good, good bunch of, of pilots. So, uh, I really enjoyed my time there. They they took care of me. Well, that they that means, that's that's because they like that's because they they trusted you and they liked you. Um, right? You know, if yeah. they didn't, if they thought you were out to get them and not a not, not a good guy, not a guy that was going to try to keep them flying, uh, then no, you wouldn't have got that reception. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, this may be against uh, all regulations, <laughs> but here it comes. The, uh, here it comes. The, Hold on, let me hit record. <laughs> <laughs> get ready to delete. <laughs> no, near the end of the um, uh, my deployment, a uh, handful of the guys gave me a marine pea cutter to wear. Nice, and I, that's probably totally not. Uh, you know, it's against the rules. Totally, whatever. But, whatever. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, they so, gave you a green one because yours was a khaki color. That's you know, right. Na- Navy's right. was a khaki color. Yeah, yeah. give you that one. That's so, right. The hologram, khaki. Charlie's green. Yeah, um, very cool. But I, I, oh. I felt kind of funny doing that, but they, uh, a few of them, kept urging me to at least wear it a few times. So I did. I did. But nice. I, I've never, I'd never um, admit to being a Marine. That's that's something that I would aspire to be, but I, I wasn't. So. Just to let everyone know. Yeah, well, look, when you're I let in on so it, it's uh, it's for a reason. Like like Fig said, they trusted you, and you know you did good work with them. It didn't yeah. uh, that isn't handed out just for grins. There's no. no doubt about it. I just felt so honored to you know yeah. be uh, be asked to do that. You know, like I said, so that yeah. touched me. That was yeah. that was something. Well, in a classic example, Fig, what Fig's telling you is true. Remember our second show, Fig was Sleeper. Yep. He actually jumped off a bridge on purpose from about 80 feet and was looking at the water when he hit. In, in Iwakuni, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> or, or somewhere around Iwakuni. Yeah. It, it might have been yeah. near Near Iwakuni, yeah. Bridge jumping was a thing when we – and by the way, we – He couldn't – we think he broke his uh, the bones in his neck. <laughs> he couldn't move his head for a week or two weeks. <laughs> I just won't yeah. tell the flight surgeon. I'll, do, I'll be fine. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'll take myself off the flight schedule for a week, and uh, yeah. and I'll be back at it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. We That's we uh, VMA two twenty three actually relieved your squadron in Westpac. That that when you yep. left, we we showed up. We met you we, guys we, there in May of ninety two. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you guys are in the same squadron then, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. we were in the same squadron. And as a matter of fact, I JJ Smith uh, gave me his Benjo Bummer bike. I, I, that was <laughs> it, it. Became my bike nice. uh, when when you got that left. right. Yeah, it was it was a peach. Uh-huh. Yep, <laughs> yeah, everyone had one. Yeah, you had to have it. Go. Had to have it to get, to get That's around. The only way to get around. That's right. That's right. That's right. So 
Yeah. So, uh, I think when I was overseas, uh, there, I, I was able to get to the Philippines for two weeks, which was fun. There was just a few small mishaps. Uh, however, you know, we were in Kadena and I arranged with another flight surgeon to take care of my squadron when I was gone for two weeks. I pleaded with a sheriff, he was our CO at the time, um, to, you know, hey, you, you're covered. Yes, this, this other guy's gonna cover you. So uh, about a few days when I was in the Philippines, I saw him in a Longapo. <laughs> Uh, and skipper? he was not covering my squadron. Oh, the other flight surgeon. Oh, yeah. shit. He's in Longapo yeah. in the Philippines with you. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> who's, That's covered, right. who's covered my squadron if you're here? Oh, no. That's exactly right. So that didn't Got make me too Got a couple capable but... corpsmen back there. You're all good. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. No, no one, no one uh, you know, got hurt or there was no, nothing too bad. So I'd explain to my CO uh, what happened, though, but. Yeah. Um, we did have a big mishap when I was overseas, though. We, uh, I guess, uh, some of the some of the uh, Harriers went down to Singapore and they did a static display. Oh, and, I know that. Uh, I know that. I know what you're getting at the air. Yeah, yeah. static display at an air show, which means yeah, right. not flying, but come look at our airplane. It's cool. That's right. Yeah. So I guess uh, Spico, he his Harrier caught on fire as, as they lifted off, and he ejected. Uh, and the uh, the, air, the Harrier uh, landed in the jungle of Malaysia, the, across the, the border. Um, yeah, across the border. Oops. So <laughs> that that meant a C one thirty flight for all of us to go down there. He was fine. First night we got there, we were put up in this four or five star hotel, and we all loved it. Phones in the bathrooms. And oh, there's enough of that. No more of that. <laughs> yeah. But the second night, they found some Brit old British quarters or something for us to live in. So, you know, we started to slum it then. But that was interesting because uh, the next day when we were going to Malaysia from Singapore, um, there was about 20 of us, 25, you know, 20. That was the mishap team, I guess. And since I was done interviewing the pilot and that's that's my job as a flight surgeon, I'm supposed to take care of the human uh, factor, uh, and, uh, you know, learn about the human factor in the mishap, you know, what, if the pilot had any, uh, problems and if it was pilot error because of some psychological problem or physical medical issue. And so since that was over, I was down there. And, uh, so I became part of the team that was going to pick up all the shrapnel, <laughs> all, all the, oh, no. the broken up airplane. So you go or we get to the border and it took us a few hours, but uh, they had a bus for us. And so we got in the bus in Malaysia and they had an armed guard with an AK-47 on the bus. You know, so we went about an hour into the jungle. And so we proceeded over the next two weeks to dig the Harrier out piece oh, by boy. piece. I think I sent you some. Some pictures. Yeah, I'm going to try and call that up now for those that are watching. And I won't bet at this point in the show for those that are not. But let me, yeah, here we go. So we got that there. And. Oh, yeah, this holy is. Cow. This picture that you have here, it's it's at the very end. And it looks like we're about 15 feet down, maybe, <laughs> maybe more. That's, that's how far we had to dig to get the Harrier out. To get all the parts out. <sighs> yeah. But I got to tell you. After seeing this picture, uh, guess who took the picture? 
the guard with the AK-47. <laughs> so great. he could have easily just mowed us down and <laughs> buried, you know, buried us. And that would have been that, you know. Right. Uh, but there's a, a travel and, and Santa there in that same picture. And then the guy from, uh, I think, McDonnell Douglas, or uh, he was one of the experts. He's the guy in the white shirt. Oh, Okay. Okay. Uh, or yeah, I don't know. It can't be that wasn't the Rolls Royce rep because that was Bob Nightifer. Remember Bob? Right. Yep. Yeah. He was. Yeah. In, he was in Iwakuni. Yeah. So anyway. so uh, how were there any big pieces left, or was it all pretty small pieces? Yeah, the engine was the engine was pretty much intact. You know, it was the biggest piece. Yeah. But I think there were some other pictures that showed. Yeah, you can see all the little scraps that we were picking up and everything. Um, and we put it, everything through sifters, you know, all the, all the dirt, we put it through sifters, but you can see all the small, all the small oh, yeah. pieces. Yeah. yeah. And a thing a that a lot of people don't know, particularly about the Harrier, the sad thing about that, after a mishap like this, it was a, a carbon fiber airplane. And so, Weight was very important. So yeah, weight was, was very light. important. So the wings were carbon fiber, and uh, basically, it's you got these tiny little, almost microscopic threads of carbon fiber of Kevlar. And when it got delaminated in a crash, as it broke up, if you pick that up with your hands, that stuff would penetrate your skin and stay for days, weeks. It was miserable. So you had to have all that extra protective clothing in the heat of Malaysia where it was, you know, at least it was humid. Jeez. Yeah, it was hot. So we did that every day. We oh. went back and got our bus ride escorted to the to the site. And I, I was there just picking up, you know, going 100 yards uh, after and for trying to figure out if there's any other uh, pieces of the aircraft. Um, you know, so that was that was something for sure. You know. Oh. Ags, you know, it's funny, uh, you know Ags, right? I don't know Ags. Yeah, he was in your squadron. Oh, Ags. Okay, I thought you said Axe. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I saw him in uh, in Ops uh, at one of our domiciles not too long ago, and we were, and that came up, that uh, Spico's ejection, because uh, I yeah. think he was there. He was okay. he was the wingman, or or was he was a witness to Yeah, him. he Watched was, him and then uh, okay. Hollywood, Hollywood. Okay. Someone else. Okay. That's what do you awesome. say about it? No, uh, he just said uh, that, you know, I said, because I said, you need to come on our podcast and tell your story. He goes, I don't really have any stories. I go, yes, you do. Everybody does. So, yeah, Ags, if you're listening, you're next, buddy. Come on and come on on. So, here's on. another cool thing. We've kind of buried the headline on this, though. Why is a doctor digging around in a crash exactly. Exactly. Why would yeah. you do that? What 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 was your role there, rather other than uh, physical labor to help? You know, you got a medical degree. You don't need to uh, man a shovel. That's it. Do. That's it. I don't know. Um, what I really think happened was, was Spico got on a plane to head toward uh, Okinawa, and I was on a C one thirty going down there. So. Um, I didn't even, I didn't, I don't think I even did his physical at that time. So I was down there with the crew and they said, okay, all hands on deck. So, so I told Spiko, you yeah. got to go to a long and get your physical, man. Hurry down there. 
Wow. So, you know, I'm there. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. a, I'm a warm body, so. Well, you I were, but the fact is I'm assuming, I could be wrong, but I'm assuming you were also on the in the investigation board because you have a, a safety officer, a medical officer, a senior officer, and then you your tech reps come in from Boeing or not Boeing uh, from McDonnell Douglas and right. Rolls Royce and all. Yeah. That's right. And I think I still have that report somewhere or part yeah. of it or something. Yeah. But, um, so the, yeah. the doc is an integral part to the investigation team as to what went on and rules out or rules in physiological and all that kind of stuff too. So, yeah. So, yeah. you know, when you first see the, the pilot after the mishap, uh, you do your flight physical, thorough flight physical, you do blood work and such if needed. But then you have this questionnaire you give them also, and it has to do with what they ate 48 hours prior, all the way up to the mishap, how they slept, um, what they did. I mean, it's just very in-depth of yeah. everything they did. So you can say, okay, well, you had, didn't have much sleep. You know, is that part of the problem? Or, uh, you know, they talked about, you know, um, you know, the home life and things like that too, but it was very, yeah. very in-depth, excuse me, you know, so. Yeah, you're, you're any any notion of privacy goes right out the window once you're involved in a mishap, and I'm, I'm aware yeah. of a couple like you know, and the NTSB goes in and looks at at uh, at a commercial one. They go so far as to look at when the pilot who was on layover swiped their room key card to get in and out of their room. Text, when were they sleeping? Text, they go through their text credit message, card time, text screen, message, everything, all of it. Right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. How. How long did you stay in 214? When did you leave 214? Um, it was uh, 1993. So July of 1993. So I spent about two years there, okay. roughly. Okay. You know, and most of the time, what you do, the average day for a flight surgeon, when you get oh, back. That, you just, that just led right into my, one of my next questions. Ooh, yeah. what's, an aver- what's, a, what's a day in the flight surgeon's life in a, in a uh, Harrier squadron? Well, yeah. Um, when you're when you're at home, when I was at uh, Marine Corps Air Station in Yuma, uh, in the morning you did clinic at the uh, medical clinic. You you went and you had you saw patients, and it was kind of a sick call most days. So you saw everyone you know that came in, okay. but there were a few days that you just saw um, the the squadron wives or something like that. You know, family of the squadron. So, you know, those days uh, you'd see a few of the wives and whatever they had problems with or whatever. And, of course, when you go to the the squadron, the pilot's always, hey, doc, did you take care of my wife? You know, yeah. (laughs) Did you take care of my wife? You know. (laughs) Oh, boy. So there was some there was time, you know, that's how you joked, I guess. But um, so in the morning, that's when you do you do clinic and then. In the clinic, there was some general medical officers, and they did clinic all day. Uh, the flight surgeons, we had our own office. We did clinic in the morning, and then in the afternoon, we dispersed to our squadrons. So after, you know, in the the general medical officers, they had to wear their khakis, whereas we flight surgeons, we wore our flight suits all day, of course. Yeah, because you were you know, badass. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And uh, then we went to the squadron and hung out in the afternoon at the squadron either getting flight time or just hanging out with the pilots or talking to a Sergeant major or, you know, just kind of doing the rounds, so to speak. You know, so that was really, that was fun. 
I really Thanks. enjoyed that time. And that and that's when you would get the hey doc, uh, let me run this yeah. by you. So, I got the creeping uh, crotch rot, Doc. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> look at they this. wouldn't go. They didn't want to go to the clinic. <laughs> hey, so uh, once in a while, when I have a bowel movement, I black out. <laughs> when I wake up, there's blood in the stool. Is this bad? Nope, oh, you're good. Oh, I'm sorry, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't control things some days. <laughs> I did that. Hey, I, I pulled that on a brand new. Just as I was leaving two twenty three, we got this brand new flight surgeon, and this this I mean, he literally looked like he was nineteen years old, just greener than green. He probably got less than an hour of uh, officer Navy officer training, and he shows up in the squadron one day, and I meet him right out of the gate, you know, and I'm feeling kind of frisky, and I put that on him. I go, Hey, you got time for a question? He goes, Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. So I said, So let's. You know, we found a corner ready where we're nobody. And I said so, and I I said it just like that, but I said it very convincingly. And I saw the blood start to drain from his face when I told him. And I go, "I'm just shitting you, Doc." And he goes, "Oh, thank God, gotcha." Yeah, we're kind of thrown in there. Yeah, we're you know just newbies, not knowing what to do, really. You know, so. Uh, it's good when people can, yeah, take pity on you a little bit and help you out. <laughs> so before you before you left um, VMA two fourteen in July, you flew the Harrier out there, the T Bird. You flew mm-hmm. in an F five, and then what, was that where you flew in a CH fifty three? Was that in Yuma? Uh, I believe it was. Yeah, so that was my only uh, night vision goggle flight. With a CH-53, you know, so, um, yeah, yeah, I was in the back and all I could see is this rectangular green window and they would not let me get up and look out the front or anything. And I just, a lot of thumping and, and that was, that was probably the scariest flight I've had. Horrific. That's terrifying. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Horrific. I see here, uh, you had, you got, uh, get fluid in S3. Ah, uh, yeah, that was overseas. So did, I got did you a get a cat? Did you get a cat we went, shot? Uh, we, we went uh, right uh, over um, Mount Pinatubo, and I guess uh, what a year, know. a few months prior, it had oh no it shit had erupted. So yeah, it turned that put, it turned half the Philippines into the surface of the moon. Yeah, a little thin layer of dust everywhere. You know, so, so, so did, did you fly off the? Sh- did you get a trap? And not uh, at all. Ah, uh, oh, shit. Nope. Okay. Yeah, uh, you got a, you got uh, some time in a P three. Uh, yeah, I guess P3 has like 21 seats and <laughs> someone just said, Hey, hey doc, we have one more seat to go. We're going to go to Osan for a shopping trip. Oh, there you go. So I said, okay, I'm on board. <laughs> so you and spend four or five hours on, on board. You go there, you go shopping for, you know, yeah. You know, get the tracksuit, the uh, the the parka, the ski you parka, the, you know, oh, yeah. Mr. got to get your Mr. Lim, uh, Mr. Lim's custom made suit. Now, yeah. uh, you were logging flight time, though, right? Because you oh, need yeah. For, oh, yeah. yeah. That's okay. exactly right. Hails to the yeah. yeah. I got that in my logbook. <laughs> <laughs> I was liking it to this. I, I was in Pensacola, and my sister was living in Bermuda. And so I did a Space A flight while I was in the pool waiting to start flight school. I got a ride in a P3 to Bermuda. That night was the longest winter of my life. I was so cold in the back of that airplane. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> it was up in the 20,000... 25,000 foot range. There was no heat back there. They, 
They really? didn't heat it because all the electronic equipment needed to stay cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah we were sure. all huddled by the cockpit door going, please let me stand next to the door next. <laughs> oh, God. And then the upside was we landed. They put the tail stand up, and this chief comes up the back ladder with a ice chest full of beer, and we all stood around drinking beers for about half an hour. And I disappeared into the country and never, never checked once for my passport for nothing. How about so, that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you so, have, I see you've logged a little time in an F-18. So uh, just one flight, just one ride. Okay. And it was, I think it was the least out of all of them because it was an air to air thing. And, and okay. the guy, they went up and I uh, jostled around and letting, you know, <laughs> that was boom, great. Did this, did that and knock it off, knock it off, knock it off. And we went home. So, uh, okay. I didn't see very much of anything. So, but I did yeah. get, you know. You could, I could check that off my list, but there you go. Was. All right. Well, that's that's one more ride than Fig and I got. And yeah, then, that's uh, right. Yeah. How about and the, then uh, uh, the EA EA six B? We noticed that's there too. Did you get the front seat or the back seat? Um, it's just back seat on that yeah. one. So the, yeah. not a lot of forward visibility, from what I understand. No, uh, no not, not too much. Yeah. No. So was the guy sitting next to you in the back? Was he uh, doing doing work? You know, making beeps and squeaks and geeking out, or was it a you know where? I know he was doing something, but (laughs) (laughs) I know he was doing something. I was busy trying to look out the front, you know. (laughs) Did he did he give you the old hey doc here? Don't touch anything. And uh uh, right? Just sit right here. Don't touch anything. Gonna shut down the Pacific Coast here once you hit (laughs) that button. When (laughs) no TV signals for a thousand miles. (laughs) Yeah, I tell you. Yeah, but we uh, got we got home from uh Westpac. Um, end of May, uh, what was it? Um, not 92. Okay. And that that next month, that's when, that's when, uh, JJ had his mishap. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that July. was about, about a week prior to my wife giving birth. And so, oh my God, I don't know who made the decision. I never asked, but they automatically assigned another flight surgeon to that investigation. So well, that was smart. I, I would have been going mm-hmm. up to Davenport or whatever, but yeah, yeah. yeah. he said, okay. I, you know, my CEO just said, okay, doc, you're going to have a, you know, I'm going to have a baby here in a few days. So why don't you just, we're going to send someone else. So part of me wanted to go up there and, and uh, represent, but the other part of me, I didn't want to see any part of it because he was a, he was a good friend of mine. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was horrible. Yeah, we lost we, lost a good Marine. Good guy. Really we good were, guy. We were yeah. in each other's weddings. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And the he tragedy of that one, not the, the whole thing was a damn tragedy, but the tragedy of that was his parents watched it happen. Yeah. So yeah, they were awesome. there at the, yeah, as he was leaving. So, uh, JJ, thank yeah. you for your service. God bless and fair winds. So, yeah. Well, well, that's a happy note. Happened. Yeah, I well, think- great. Yeah, super. Yeah. Uh, Thanks a lot, Doc. Yeah, yeah, way to go. Well, I got a lighter story to tell you. Maybe. Well, let's get go. out. Let's get out of there. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the fun, the the funniest things that um, happened. I think it was after after we got back from Westpac and everything. Um, Sheriff, I think was um, I think he was still our CEO at that time, but uh, he was coming in from some other place. He was flying in a Harrier and he was about ready to land. Uh, we were all in the ready room. And so we all decided to head out 
uh, about 20 of us, some pi- mostly pilots, but some of the crew. And so we lined up on, on near the runway so he could see us. And uh, when he started, when he came into land, we did an about face and dropped our flight suits and <laughs> bent over and gave him the moon. So we call that the 21 moon salute. Excellent. I was wondering what that was. The 21 yeah. moon salute. I think that was pretty Great. fun. Farewell, Skipper. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Welcome back. Oh, 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 asshole. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, but I enjoyed my time. I enjoyed my time uh, with the black sheep. Uh, there's there's some good guys you got to have on. You know, uh, they have. I'm sure they have good stories. We're we're working though. We're working that angle. Yeah. It's hard to nail people down. It's just you know everybody's got it's life. Everybody's busy. And, right. Life and, happens. Uh, yeah. So after you left VMA two fourteen, you went to Balboa Naval Hospital oh, yeah. in San Diego for a short stint. Yeah, so that um, the 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 year before, I think after I got back from my um, deployment, I had you know one year to go, and that's about the time that you know during this time I'm I'm at uh, VMA two fourteen. I'm still going and uh, going to Bethesda and spending a little bit of time in their derm department. I went to, because that was my interest, dermatology. And I went to Balboa. Well, well, when did that happen, though? Because you were going to, you were internal medicine, internal medicine. That's and so true. When, when did that, how did that work? How did you well, decide? It was during my internship, yeah, backing up is during my internship year. And you have to do one month rotations in your internship year. My The second half, I think in January, February, was a dermatology rotation. And, and uh, the first day of my rotation, I go in, I'm like, wow, everyone's happy. <laughs> everyone's smiling and happy and energetic. Whereas in internal medicine, I mean, you're, you're kind of beat down, you know? So uh, I've, got, I've got something in my heart for internists and, and family practice. And my brother's a family practice, uh, you know, God bless him, man. He works hard and doesn't get paid for it, but... Um, anyway, so as soon as I, I got in and did that month rotation, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. That's it. So, yeah. Um, well, uh, as a, uh, as an aside, I would like to say thank you for being a dermatologist because he is my dermatologist repeat. Mm-hmm. There you go. It, it has been for like the last 24 years, five years. Nice. And we've got some and stories. You know what he says to me every single time uh, he sees me naked? He says, holy shit, you have a lot of moles. <laughs> he goes, no, really, you have a lot of moles. <laughs> Say, Doc, that's not a mole. That's my... <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, I thought oh, that was man. a skin tag. Yeah. Skin tag, mole, whatever it is. <laughs> that's just a skin. That's not a skin tag. Oh, yeah. That's Hold on a second. We're talking about some personal. Let's, let's stop right now. That's right. Okay, hang on, Fig. Let me mute you and, and turn your camera off, Doc. <laughs> right. Between you and me. And do I have your permission? And, you know, HIPAA, I got to get your yeah. permission. Look, you I, have my, you have my told permission. told me earlier that you, you, have he, he, you have his permission. You can tell me anything about him. <laughs> and, no, and, we, hey, and the people watching, they don't mind. We, they won't tell We do anything. have a lot of fun uh, when, I, when I come for my, uh, you know, from, when I come for my semi-annual visits. We, That's we, true. We do have a lot of fun. And uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, never, it's never dull. 
Let's just put no. it that way. Nope. Yeah, yeah. Fig uh, and I, we uh, we kind of team up and and you know play pranks on my medical assistants and stuff. So oh, nice. Some are yeah. pretty good. Some are pretty good. You know. Yeah. Even yeah. though usually, if any of my patients are watching, I'm very you know. I want to usually I'm, I'm very professional. Oh, he's very professional. <laughs> it, it, I like to have fun. I like yeah. to have fun. You know. Yeah. It's good. Too, but yeah. Uh, no. So. Um, you know, you, you, during that time, you visit those, uh, you know, residency programs and you interview uh, while I'm a flight surgeon. And then uh, that year, the, the head of the um, dermatology department in San Diego called me personally and said, hey, would you like to come and join us? So um, I did three years at uh, the Naval Medical Center in San Diego in the dermatology department, uh, learning dermatology. Okay. And then they said, well, you've you've done three years of training, you owe us two more. What? Yeah, of course, of course. So they sent me up to Great Lakes Naval Hospital. That's uh, in Waukegan, yeah, Illinois. Yeah. That's where, it's, that's where the, the boot camp is, the Navy, one of the Navy boot camps. Okay. And so I spent two years up there. And, uh, you know, so since the boot camp was there, uh, I saw, you know, all their dermatology that they needed. But also I was in charge of uh, and disqualifying people if they had different conditions, uh, you know, disqualifying them from getting in the military if their condition was bad or whatever. So I had to make that decision. So, Okay, I, I thought of a technical question uh, that you may or may not be able to answer. Tattoos. Do you, so I, I've, I've been told, say, I, my oldest son is a walking tattoo. I mean, he's he's covered literally, uh, you know, from the neck down, mm-hmm. sleeves, legs, everything. And so uh, I've heard, and tell me uh, if this is true, like dermatologists hate tattoos because you can't see what's happening on the skin. You know, like a, like a skin cancer growth. Or, yeah. I mean, so t- t- can you talk about that? I, I don't mind tattoos. I mean, uh you know, I have a lot of patients that have them. Wrong answer. I mean, everybody everybody has. He wanted to everybody. be able to tell them that. Everybody it, has it, tattoos now. Yeah, it makes it a little bit tougher, you know. So okay. they say, uh, if you have a lot of moles, try not to get a tattoo, you know, where you have a, a number of moles. Because if they change, you won't see them as quickly. You know, see, that, so, that, I can't okay. ever have a tattoo. So I've got a question that I don't moles. think I've ever asked, but I've always wondered. Uh-oh, here it comes. Yeah, no. What? Why does a tattoo work? It seems to me if you inject ink, you know, you, you cut your skin, it grows back. It seems to me if you inject ink, it would eventually go away. What? What? How does that work? What's the physical physiology behind a tattoo being a permanent thing? Well, uh, it's like a buckshot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or, you know, it's like a gunpowder getting, you know, you uh it's just the particles are too large for your immune system and for your white blood cells to take it out and they just stay there. So um, even though you have cells, skin cells that are regenerating around it, you still uh-huh. have that um, particle. It's kind of engulfed in white blood cells and trying to, you know, wall it off, but okay. it, it goes nowhere. You know? And so, there's, there's what, four layers to the skin. Now we're in medical school. <laughs> Four I guess you could say. I guess you could say four. Some people say seven, depending on how how. Oh, know, okay. But it's a couple layers that. deep. It is. It's in the dermis. So, okay. um, that's the mid layer of skin. So your okay. epidermis is on top, and your dermis is the middle. So, okay. uh, that's that's where it stays. 
All right. What okay. about tattoo removal? Yeah. How how do you do tattoo removal? That look like it hurt. Have you removed somebody's tattoo? When I was a resident, we had some lasers that could, you know, uh, remove tattoos. And the way the laser works is it breaks up the particle small enough that your ah. immune system can take it away. Okay. So they have, they have some they have some really cool lasers nowadays. There's a pico laser that really breaks them up and does a really good job with a lot of um, tattoos. But I don't have that. It costs too much for me to to buy. So more than a Mercedes. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, thank you for that little. We, I uh, you we went down that rabbit tat- hole, didn't we? Well, tattoos. <laughs> I I don't have any, but if I had one and wanted it removed, I didn't know if uh, if you would cut it off, freeze it off, zap. It. I, I don't know how it works. Yeah. Laser yeah. it off. That's right. Laser it off. Okay. There you uh-huh. go. Well, I got my wings on my chest so that I would never be out of uniform. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> So well, Doc, there. You, listen, you, I know you didn't think you had anything to talk about, but, you know, we've been talking for an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. That's pretty talking awesome, about man. nothing. <laughs> no, no. No, this has all been good it's stuff, man. Friday Everybody night at the bar, chat, chatting with the flake quack. So he we've never uh, had a flight on Monday. <laughs> I had no idea how you made a flight surgeon, what, what, what kind of, you know. Apparently you have to go to a cocktail party and someone tells you who to salute. I don't know. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, you know, I didn't know that uh, he, he wow. uh, damn near soloed a T thirty four, and he got he had to do all the dunkers, and uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That is yeah. cool. The whole thing. Yeah, that is well, awesome. All right, what, well, what kind of questions? Thank you for big, stepping up, and thank you for your service. That you know, that's yeah, that's a big deal. Um, that's thank not for nothing. Thank you yeah. for your service. Yeah. No, yeah. you guys have some good uh, good uh, guests on. You know, I'm 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 humbled by being on because the guests that you have, you know, Captain Royce, Slav, oh my gosh. Doc, uh, Colonel yeah. Spicer, the whole, the whole group. I just, that's something. We are, uh, I'll tell you, we're, we're the ones who are humbled. Every one of our guests has been outstanding and we're right fig. We, we fell no, ass backwards I, into this deal. <laughs> Yeah, and I, you know, I, I thought to it was going to all these amazing people. That, I, I know. I, yeah. I thought it was going to be just a you know a couple of buffoons telling stories, and it ended up being so, so really therapeutic for everyone. And, it, and thank you for sharing your stories. We've never had a flight surgeon on, oh, and I'm and go. I'm sure we got people out there going, "Well, shit, I never knew that." And you know, right. a lot of our listeners aren't even aviators, so they're not even sure what a flight surgeon is. Well, now we know. Right. Exactly. Yeah, proud to be one. So, yeah, uh, you know, just something something different about having some brown shoes and a nice set of wings on your on your yes. khakis. You yes, know, when you're in is. dermatology or whatever. So, uh, yeah. enjoyed my time. That's for sure. Very cool stuff. Awesome. Well, we've got a couple other thank yous we got to get out there tonight, too, Fig. Thank you to our sponsor, Babel. Uh, we've got to thank Brad Silcott over at BDSAviationPhotography.com. He has loaned us some photos. The main one on our website is uh, is his. He's got a lot of others, and I'll be bringing more of those to you as, uh, as we update the website. Count them, two New pilots this week on Patreon. Eric Flesher. That's awesome. And Jason Spears. Yeah. Indeed. Thank you. And Thank you, Fig, gentlemen. I just got a question for you. If if you were, say, on the market for a bikini, where might thou go? Well, I can tell you that my favorite bikini 
to date is the one you can get on our merch site that has the So There I Was logo all over it. There you go. little bitty parts. Right. (laughs) So there I was.us slash merch. Yeah. And you can get a bikini. You can get koozies. You can get a shirt like I'm wearing. You can get a hat, beer mugs, uh, drinking glasses, coffee mugs. You name it. Go look. Have some fun. If you don't see something that you want a So There I Was logo on, shoot us a question or uh, shoot us an email at how would you email you, Fig? Uh, you could you could reach me at fig at so there I was dot us. There you go. Or you could also get the sticks at sticks at so there I was dot us and me repeat R-E-P-E-T at so there I was dot us. We have a glossary if we've mentioned a term like NAMI and didn't tell you what it meant. We'll put that up there. If you get a term that you didn't understand, let us know. We'll get it on the glossary. And send us a photo of where you are when you were listening. We'll get it up on the website. We got a real nice email and a and a photo from uh, or a, a screenshot from a gent earlier today. And I've got more to talk to him about that before we go any further. But wanted to do that. What's the other thing people need to do, Fig, so the word gets out? Share the show. Share the show. How hard is that? It's not hard. It's not not hard hard at all. doesn't cost anything. Just share the show. Tell your friends. Put it on Facebook. Put it on Twitter. Put it on threads. Put it anywhere and everywhere you can think of. Share the show. Tell them how much fun we're having. I'm having fun. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you also to Backbeat Media. They sponsor, get our sponsors for us. They have a couple other great shows, one of which is hosted by Dave Hamilton, the Mac Geek Gab. Another one is the Gig Gab and the Business Brain. Those are Dave Hamilton's shows over from Backbeat Media. And I'm trying to think. I'm, uh, it always escapes me near the end. Well, I know what that is. And that are that is the sound of the two... Greatness. F-16 pilots that make the Air Force sound good. Right. The Dos Gringos. Both of them. Both. The, both of them. The sound of greatness. That music is so much fun. And thank you to them for coming on our show and more importantly for letting us use their fantastic music. It is absolutely a privilege to be able to do that. Hey, what should we do? I'm thinking we need to start thinking about getting out of here. Until next week. Don't sit on the ejection seat handle. Don't do it. Don't do it, Dr. Doc. Well, there I was, crossing the pond, and you could see that I wasn't exactly fond of all the shit I was wearing on that day. Now an F-16 is cramped enough, but it's even worse with all that stuff supposed to save your life but we knew there was no way because when you're going down the north atlantic man it's over what do you say it's over okay heart sounds good i'm just gonna need you to drop your pants and we'll check your prostate uh what drop your pants turn around and lean forward um okay so how does this work? You just feel my pulse? So we're... Ah! 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 What the hell was that? And that's a prostate exam. Shut up! That's how a prostate exam is performed. Now, if you'll just let me... Get away from me! Ah!